Up ahead, the woman stands on one leg under the streetlight, rubbing her ankle. Number seven. A wee Tory quine on her way home after a night out on the pish, staggering along in her fuck-me heels and miniskirt, even though it's February in Aberdeen and freezing cold. Curly brown hair, upturned little nose, nice legs, long and sexy. The kind he likes to feel struggling beneath him as he makes the bitch take it. She teeters off again, and he speeds up. He doesn't even break a sweat in his red Aberdeen football club tracksuit, complete with hood and black trainers. Who's going to look twice at a man out for a jog? Out with a knife. Every detail stands out bright and clear, like blood splashed on pale white skin. She turns at the last minute, eyes going wide as she sees him, sees the knife. Too shocked to scream. This is going to be special. Number seven will get to do things she's never dreamed of. Not in her darkest nightmares. She... Her arm flashes out. Knocking the knife away, she grabs his tracksuit and buries her knee in his groin hard enough to lift him off the ground. He lets out a squeal and she closes his mouth with a fist. The pavement is cold and hard as he curls up around his battered testicles and cries. PC Jackie Watson forced the man over onto his face, cuffing his hands behind his back. He groaned and whimpered. Jackie smiled and glanced at Rennie. Anyone looking? He said no, so she kicked the guy in the ribs. That's for Christine, Laura, Gail, Sarah, Jennifer, Joanne, and Sandra. Detective Sergeant Logan McRae pushed through the brown double doors into the heady bouquet of disinfectant formalin and death. The hospital morgue was a lot bigger than the one down at Grampian Police Force headquarters and a lot more cheerful. A small stereo in one corner pumped out Dr. Hook's greatest hits, while a redhead in a green plastic apron packed an old lady's organs back where they'd come from, to the tune of, When You're in Love with a Beautiful Woman. Logan's unidentified male was lying on his back on a hospital gurney, eyes taped shut. Mid-twenties, short blonde hair, thin but well-muscled. His lower limbs and abdomen were smeared red, a long row of hurried stitches marking where they'd sewn him back together again after the surgeon admitted defeat. Ten minutes later, the old lady was back in the refrigerated drawer. The APT pulled on a fresh pair of gloves. What do we know? she asked Logan. Shoved out of a car at A&E, wrapped in a blanket. Could be hit and run. Don't think so. Look, incisors, canines and premolars are broken, but there's no damage to the nose or chin. An impact would leave scarring on the lips. He's bitten down on something. Looks like some sort of gag. You can just see the marks in the skin. You sure? Yep. And he's covered with tiny burns. I'd say he'd been roughed up a bit. More marks on the wrists, like he's been strapped to something. She handed him a pair of gloves and told him to give it a hand turning the body over. The APT slowly scanned the skin, then prized the corpse's buttocks apart with a sticky, screlching sound. Bloody hell. The only way this was a car accident is if someone tried to park a transit van up his backside. Grampian Police Force Headquarters wasn't the prettiest building in Aberdeen. A seven-story block of dark grey concrete and glass stripes jaundiced with pale yellow streetlight. 
Logan was finishing up his cream of tomato soup in the canteen's post-midnight lull when a familiar figure grumbled away up to the service counter and asked for three coffees, one with spit in it. PC Jackie Watson, who'd changed out of the rape-bait outfit she'd worn to work that evening and back into the standard all-black uniform, returned her hair to its regulation bun. She didn't look very happy. Logan walked her back down to interview room number four, trying to make small talk. She wasn't having any of it. So he tried the observation room instead. Someone was already in there, ferreting about in his ear with the chewed end of an old biro. D.C. Simon Rennie. If you're looking for a brain, you're digging in the wrong end, said Logan, sinking into the other seat. Rennie grinned at him. How's your Joan Doe then? Dead. How's your rapist? Rennie tapped the monitor in front of him. Recognize anyone? Logan stared at the flickering picture. Bloody hell, isn't that? Yep. Rob McIntyre, a.k.a. Golden Boy. Rennie sat back with a sigh. Of course, you know what this means. Aberdeen doesn't stand a chance on Saturday. Robert McIntyre, the best striker Aberdeen Football Club had seen for years. What happened to his face? The man's top lip was swollen and split. Jackie, she did a playtex on his balls too. Lift and separate. There wasn't much to look at. Twenty-one years old, sticky out ears, weak chin, a single black eyebrow stretched across his skinny face. But the little bugger could score from halfway down the pitch. D.I. Inch's voice boomed from off camera. Going to give you one more chance, Rob. Tell us about the rapes, or we'll nail you to the wall. A trademark pause. Look, said McIntyre, sitting forward, wincing then settling back in his chair again, one hand under the table. I'll say it again, slowly, so you'll understand, like. I was out for a wee jog. I didn't rape anyone. Jackie got as far as, you had a knife, before Inch told her to shut up. His bulk loomed into the frame, leaning on the tabletop with both fists, his bald head glinting in the overhead lights. Yes, you did, Rob. You followed them. You jumped them. You battered them. You raped them. You carved up their faces. It wasn't me. You took trophies, you daft sod. Necklaces. Earrings. Even a pair of knickers. We'll find them when we search your house. I never did nothing. Okay? Get that into your fat thick heat. I never raped nobody. The morgue at FHQ shone with an antiseptic fervor. Sparkling white tiles covered the walls and floor, glinting cutting tables sat beneath polished extractor fans. The guest of honour was already laid out in all his pasty, blood-stained glory. Doc Fraser was slumped over one of the other dissecting tables, a copy of the Press and Journal, Aberdeen's local paper, spread out in front of him. Who's SIO? asked Logan. The pathologist sighed. Yeah, God knows. I'm just corroborating today. The answer lurched through the morgue doors, hauling at the crotch of our SOC coveralls. D.I. Steele, their senior investigating officer. A five-foot-nine, a wrinkly, middle-aged disaster area, smelling of stale cigarette smoke and Chanel Number no. 5. Laz, she said, grinning. This no a bit fresh for one of your corpses. Thought you liked them a bit more ripe. Logan didn't rise to it. He was found outside A&E last night, bleeding to death, no witnesses. 
Something horrible's happened to his backside. Oh, I Medical horrible, or I was hoovering naked and fell on a statue of Queen Victoria horrible. Queen Victoria. Teal nodded sagely. Yeah, I wondered why they gave me this one. We'll be ready to get started. I'm busting for a fag. We're waiting for Dr. McAllister. Ah, it's going to be one of those postmortems. Steele sighed. Come on then, lads. Let's hear it. So Logan talked her through the statements he'd taken last night. What about the CCTV? She asked when he'd finished. Oh, nothing we can use. The car number plates are unreadable. Driver wore a hooded top and baseball cap. Ah, thug chic. Got a make in the car? Fusty-looking Volvo Estate. Steele blew a long, wet raspberry. Well, maybe Madam Death can tell us something, presuming she ever bloody gets here. A very pregnant Dr. Isabel McAllister lumbered into the morgue and scrubbed up. Right, she said, clicking on the dictaphone. We have an unidentified male, mid to late twenties. They finished with tea and biscuits in the pathologist's office. Looks like something pretty big's been repeatedly forced inside him, she said, between four and five inches in diameter and at least fourteen inches long. The sphincter's extensively damaged and the lower intestine was torn in four places. He lost too much blood, pressure dropped, heart stopped. Death was due to severe shock. She tried to get closer to the desk, but her pregnant bulge got in the way. Some of the burn marks have a crust of wax, but there's half a dozen cigarette burns too. Most of the contusions are superficial. D.I. Steele helped herself to a Jaffa cake, mumbling, What about the ligatil marks? Looks like thick leather straps with metal buckles, chafing about the edges. So I'd say he struggled a fair bit. Steele snorted. Well, you would, wouldn't you? Someone turns your arse inside out. That got her a scowl. I'll need to wait for the blood toxicology to come back, Isabel said. But I found a significant quantity of alcohol in the stomach and partially digested pills as well. So, whoever it was got him pissed and doped up first, then strapped him down and buggered him to death with a Wellington boot. And they say romance is dead. 